Decorating Pages is a podcast dedicated to taking you behind the scenes of the designs of your favorite TV shows and films. Each episode, I'll be sharing design stories from some of Hollywood's most famous sets, interviews from set decorators, production designers, directors, and actors about creating the look of TV and film, about their design inspirations, and stories that take sets from page to screen. Hello, and welcome to Decorating Pages. I'm your host, Kim Wanup. I'm not going to go long here in this intro, uh, number one, because it's part two of my interview with set decorator Jan Pascal, who needs no introduction, and you've already listened to part one, and you're dying for part two. Um, number two, I'm working, I'm moving, I'm mommying, I'm stressing, and I'm podcasting, and it really doesn't mix, so I gotta go. Um... What's one up watching? I ain't got time. Ain't got time to watch much this week. Um, trying to struggle through this Your Honor. It started out strong and now I'm limping along to the end. SNL I thought was fantastic this week. And I watched the next episode of uh, Lady in the Dale, which I'm super intrigued. What a fascinating story that I never heard of. And a lot of it happened in LA. Again, it's a documentary on HBO Max about um, this woman, Elizabeth Carmichael, who's a transgender woman. And a con artist. (laughs) And a good one. Uh, So yeah, I'm enjoying that. I think it only has one more episode, so that's a bummer. Last night while I was uh, packing, I put on Coming to America. Shit is always funny. And Eddie is so young, and Arsenio is so young. It's still good. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing the sequel. I hope hope it lives up. I mean, it's funny to me, number one, really, that the 80s and the 90s are now on uh, TCM. I don't really know if that's funny or depressing. I don't know. But um, I do hit TCM a lot for some movies. I do want to remind all the ADG members listening that voting is open. This episode, set decorator Jan Pascal is eligible for the film Mank. And next week's episode with production designer Jim Bissell is eligible for The Midnight Sky. And since it's your last chance to ever vote for The Good Place for our finale in the last couple episodes, um, I just thought, if you want, I have an episode of this podcast titled A Good Finale, which came out in Jun- July with the production designer Ian Phillips, Adam Rowell, the art director, Gabe Perillo, the prop master, and Graham Radcliffe, the graphic designer and myself and we watched the finale together and talked about everything that went to creating the design of the finale so uh, take a listen to that if you're interested and vote for the good place the uh the adg award has eluded me five times so uh it would be nice especially to be recognized for that show i miss it and i miss the people and it was such an imaginative show to work on, and I'm grateful for that experience. Um, I really got to push some limits in designing the afterworld for four seasons, so it was a pleasure. In this part two of my interview with set decorator Jan Pascal, we discuss her beginnings in Pittsburgh as a set painter on Mr. Rogers. And then, you know, the obvious transition to a Roger Corman films. Uh, her early work propping for movies and then moving into set decorating. Um, she did films like Forever Young, Dracula Dead and Loving It with Mel Brooks, 
TV shows like Gideon's Crossing and Boston Public, and then moved into Training Day. Hello. Then she has a string of these heavy dramas intermixed with like these hilarious comedies. Like, Good Night and Good Luck, Anchorman, Spiderwick Chronicles, Kicking and Screaming, Leatherheads, Horrible Bosses, Argo, Suburbicon, then Veep, All the Way, Vice, which is why, obviously, she's the White House Queen. She has done all those beautifully. She has an upcoming film, Maverick, which is the, the sequel to Top Gun. Gotta see that. Even if I don't want Tom Cruise, I'm gonna see it. And she's currently working on the Obi-Wan series for Disney, which I cannot wait for. Jan's beginnings to now is an extraordinary career of decorating the screen. So I hope you enjoy. on your resume. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I, I actually took a few off. You did? That's <laughs> awesome. Like, no, no, erase that one. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even know you could do that. Oh, that's a good tip. You have to you have to petition them to do it, but um, oh. there was a movie called when we shot it, it was called Juvie, but it came out as Judgment and I was the prop master. Oh. And the guy I was living with was my assistant. And it was in the 80s and it was, you know, crazy time. And we shot in all the worst neighborhoods. It was gang. We got sh her, Louise drove the camera truck, but she was the transboat captain also. It was uh -huh. on non union. Oh, right. We were down by Park Plaza. Mm -hmm. And there was a drive, drive by. Her camera truck got shot up. She had to hit the deck. Oh my it was, god. It was pretty intense. It was these um, former gang gang guys were uh, kind of uh, affiliated with the show somehow. And oh, uh, it was they bankrolling it. <laughs> well, no, it was bankrolled by the actress's husband. I worked it, on something like that. I did a movie and it was yeah. Yeah. Bad. Yeah. Bad. Bad. Yeah. Bad, bad, bad. Wow, drive-by on the set. That's crazy. It was pretty wild. Oh. And here's the, here's the other crazy story from that one. I, I didn't quite understand. You know, it was the early days of when I got out here, and I didn't quite understand product placement, but one of, my, one of the characters was in a wheelchair, and I had to get a cool wheelchair, and I couldn't figure out how to do that. So I, I saw this when Quickie wheelchairs first came out. Oh, yeah. I called up the company and said, hey, we're doing this movie, and I wonder, you know, would you loan me a wheelchair? And they said, sure. <laughs> so I had this wheelchair, and uh, Francesco Quinn was the actor in it, and it was Anthony Quinn's son. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, he was a bit of a character, and then it turns out he was kind of shut up in the main actress whose <laughs> husband was dancing the film, which was pretty hilarious. But one day he w he wasn't there, but I had the the uh, wheelchair in the back of the prop truck, and uh, Francesco came by and he said, "Hey, I have this buddy who's going to do a film and he needs to be in a wheelchair. Can he borrow the wheelchair for the weekend?" And I said, 
fucking way. I only yeah. had one. Yeah, I only, it's my. <laughs> it's literally my hero prop. <laughs> exactly. I'm like no. And he said, "Well, maybe could he come down here and practice with it?" I said, "All right, he could come here." So Louise always parked the prop truck next to her truck. So I told her about it. And I said, "This guy's gonna come. I don't even know his name. You know, <laughs> he's gonna come and he wants to practice in the wheelchair, but don't let it out of your sight." So the guy came. He's practicing on the wheelchair. She was like, "Hey, hey, get over here! You're. I, I need to be able to see you. So don't get out of my sight." She was like giving him all kinds of shit. It was Tom Cruise. <gasps> oh my god! For Born in Fourth July. <laughs> Wait a minute. 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 (laughs) Born on the 4th of July didn't have a practice wheelchair for him and he had to borrow someone else's. I don't know if he was trying, if it was very at the very beginning or before he started or whatever. Oh, I see. It it cracked me up. Wow. When it came out, I was like, oh, that's that guy. That's that guy. (laughs) That's that guy. How much I knew then. (laughs) <laughs> I, I hey I uh, I worked on this movie and uh, one of the character one of the uh, actors in it was uh, Seth Rogen and it was like oh. one of his first movies and it was like a very small film and uh, like we all got super close and we all went out to dinner together there's only one good restaurant in Albuquerque and he was at dinner with us the weeks that he was shooting and all you hear at the table was like <laughs> and I was like who the fuck is this dork who is this dork like shut up what is that laugh he's never gonna make it <laughs> like oh that was yeah that was seth rogan <laughs> like <laughs> made millions off of that laugh so yeah you never know you never know <laughs> i know it's so crazy but that movie was so horrible i did not i didn't see that one no no i i i think it's i think i got that one off too jen i so you know i i've seen uh 90 percent of your movies anyway but then, like, in doing this, just trying to go back and, like, look at a certain things and things that I hadn't seen. You have so many good movies. Uh, I got lucky. I mean, I, got- I, I, I mean, I know from things, like, I read scripts and I'm like, this is going to suck. And then it's like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine and it goes on for 10 years. <laughs> or like, I have no, I have no way of knowing. Like, do you have any, you don't have any, do you have any clue? No. No, I we Clayton and I did Veep, and we thought, who is gonna watch this? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Then, I yeah. mean, eight years later, nine years later, whatever. Yeah. Every hit, and it's Emmy after Emmy after Emmy. I, I'm a I'm a horrible judge. I, I mean, don't get it. Every once in a while, I can judge. Like, Good Night and Good Luck, we we felt like that was gonna be really special. Yeah. In Sicario, I felt like that would be special. And Training Day. You know, some of those, you think, oh, this could be something. And I felt that way about Mank, you know. Yeah. But, and Vice. I, yeah, keep going, Jim. Keep going. <laughs> but, but, oh, but believe me, there's like the Brother Solomon that... <laughs> yeah, but that, I, I even for, for every one that you have that's like questionable, there's like five great ones. I mean, and... I think what super sticks out with, with me is how you have this relationships with these, it seems like, I mean, I know you work with more than two designers, but it seems like you get bounced back between 
Jim Bissell and Clayton Hartley, and and you go from these super serious films to then these like almost slapstick ridiculous comedies. Like, is that your choice, or it just works out? Like, it's just. It's you know I it's a lot of it is about who I love working with. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, I know it has to be. It's, <laughs> it has especially to be. now, you know, as I get, as I get older and my tolerance level drops. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, let's let's choose a nice person to to work with. And um, how did you? Oh wait, let me start with. How did you start? How did did you want to do this? Did you know what this was? I mean, so many people didn't don't know what this is, and then they just get into it. I had no idea. Yeah. I had no clue. I did some in college. I did some drama classes and ended up. I, I didn't knew I didn't want to be on the stage. I wanted to be behind the stage. So I did a little bit of that with a friend of mine, and and uh, at this tiny little little college, California State College, and. In, outside of Pittsburgh, in California, Pennsylvania. <laughs> um, but I had no idea. But but our our other roommate, when I moved back back home, because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. So um, I moved back home, and the three of us got an apartment. We'd gone through high school together, and we were like the black sheep of our little Catholic <laughs> high school. <laughs> <laughs> there were there were four of us, but only three of us shared this apartment, and we just were kooky, you know, <laughs> as we could possibly be. Um, and my one friend really wanted to be an actress, desperately wanted to be an actress. So she started working. I say working, but it was no pay. For, yeah. <laughs> um, it was called Pittsburgh Laboratory Theater. And it was experimental theater. And just, you know, um, I'm trying to think of some of the Tom Stoppard and um, I, there were, I have to think of some of the, the people that came out of there. Chekhov and oh, yeah. things like crazy, you know, just like out there stuff. And then, so they called it environmental theater and all the sets were reconfiguring some scaffolding. <laughs> there were really hardly any sets. And then they needed somebody to run lights and sound. And they were like, could you help out? I said, ah, yeah, sure. So whenever she was in a play. Where I was, was your other roommate? Uh, yeah, she was a slacker. Yeah. <laughs> she was always like, oh, I'm busy. Oh, I'm busy. Got, yeah. I think I have to work tonight. <laughs> um, so... One thing led to another, and there was this crazy comedy group that came who worked at the public television station, and they were, it was, they were called the Flying Zucchini Brothers, Daredevil Circus, and the All-American All-Star One-Man Band with Peaches and Cream. Wow. You never forget that name. Never forget it. See, they, they, had, a, they had a good thing. They, they knew if, if someone <laughs> remembers our name, they're never going to forget our name. <laughs> well, they... They were all stagehands at public television at WQED in Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. where they found Mr. Rogers. Right. So <laughs> one of the guys was just so kooky that I, I fell in love with him. <laughs> so we started dating. 
I moved in to, we shared a house. I was on the downstairs, he was on the upstairs. And when I was in retail and I just hated it, I was like getting ulcers. And oh my just, God. I was like chugging Maalocks. <laughs> horrible. And I was managing two stores on opposite ends of town. And I had this little Volkswagen Beetle and I would run, you know, from one store to the other. And, oh, it's just, I was miserable. Yeah. And so I said, I got to quit. I can't, I can't do this. I don't know what I want to do, but I can't do this. So one day I was kind of wallowing in self-pity trying to figure out what am I going to do with my life? And he called me up and said, hey, they need help at Mr. Rogers. Get your ass down here. Oh, and weren't you like, uh, yes, please, yes. So I ran down, you know, and I had gone and seen a couple of sets that he worked on, but it didn't really register to me that there could be a job that I could do, you know. So I went down and, and um, in Henrietta Cow's class, <laughs> I was wood graining the floorboards, these tiny little floorboards. And the art director, Jack Guest, said, Hey, can you come back tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, sure. So I started, he kept hiring me on the crew. So, and then I became the prop master for Mr. Rogers. That is insane. It was pretty, insane. It was pretty wild. And at the same time, these friends who I had known through Nick. You know, we I I knew all the film people in town. There were only, you know, 20, 30 of right. them. Um, I knew them all. And at one point, George Romero was going to do um, Creepshow. And this one gal who was really, really nice, and she was an amazing artist, she said, hey, I need another person on the paint crew. Do you want to join? You, you know, you'll probably be scrubbing buckets most of the time, but... I said, absolutely. So we worked six days a week for, <laughs> they called us into the office one day and said, um, we have to increase your pay because we realize we're not paying you minimum wage. <laughs> and you're working six days a week. So you're, you're bringing them like 200 bucks a week, basically. <laughs> yes. It was pretty sad. So but were you I able, how long were you on Mr. Rogers? Or was the Mr. Rogers the six well, day week? No. They would, they would shoot enough um it would be like a, a six or eight week gig for mr rogers oh. or a couple months maybe yeah that would shoot that would be one week's worth of shows right and then because kids would get confused that like well, why is this man with dark hair suddenly have a be a man with gray hair so they would take mm. out the old ones and yeah. put in new ones right <laughs> and slowly filter out the ones where he was really young oh my god um, so I would do that, and then and then we did Creep Show, which was absolutely insane. I'm still friends with most of the people that were on it. Isn't that um, crazy? But I learned so much because the head of Carnegie Mellon Drama Department was the production designer. Oh, wow! So, and these women, Ellen Hopkins and Eileen Garrigan, were the main amazing artists in town, scenic artists. And they just, they taught me so much, like wood graining and aging and how to, how to make rust and, you know, just so much. And it's invaluable. It's oh invaluable God. on the job training that I, I always felt like, you, I mean, I didn't go to school for set decorating, but 
even when the little time that I worked in an architect's office, an interior design office, I was like, this is bullshit. Like, this is like, <laughs> I didn't learn anything. But when you're in film and TV, you got to learn and you got to learn quick. There's no time. And it's, no it's time. really up to people to jump in and teach people because it helps them <laughs> mostly. If you're a good assistant or you're good, it helps everyone. <laughs> so yeah. it really yeah. is such a like trade of teaching people as you go i feel yeah you have to yeah amazing and the guy who um i still credit him for helping me with good night good night good luck he doesn't know it i think he's passed on but um uh, mr rogers the art director jack guest started in black and white television and you know how when we have we have sets now you know there's always a color code of, okay this was yes yeah. here's the trim here's the wall yeah. color, blah, blah, blah. they had nothing so he would challenge us to to mix the colors for the neighborhood and make believe the dots on the floor he would just say okay mix the colors we had nothing to go by so we would just start mixing colors and he would just squint his eye and go no no you need a little raw umber or you need some put some burnt sienna in that one wow add a little red to that and, and it was incredible but i learned color from this man it's so color not, not being afraid of color is so important and yeah. i would say i credit that to a production designer i worked with ed rubin who was nothing but color and 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 taught me on my first film like just do it just go for it and see what it does and then you can always pull back like, don't be afraid of the color. Don't be afraid of the boldness of a pattern or, you know, you'll see if it doesn't work. Like, if you have the yeah. eye, you'll see. But yeah. to make you, like... That's so great. Mix colors, that's that's a challenge. That's unbelievable. We sacrificed a few five-gallon buckets here and there. <laughs> <laughs> there was Worth a gal it. named Kathy who I've lost touch with, but she and I used to just mix the colors and... And then, then we'd sit there and paint, and then, you know, the director would bring his kids in, and they would come and paint dots. And oh my gosh, it was pretty wild. But was, when you were on it, it was already like Mr. Rogers. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah they were. They had been because they've been doing it for the since the six like early sixties and everything. Yeah. Now, how the, how pissed were you when you didn't get the Welcome to the Neighborhood movie? Like, <laughs> why didn't they call you? <laughs> and called me. I I knew the prop master, so I reached out and said, "Hey, look, you know, yeah. if you need anything, just you know, just call me. I'll be happy to help or whatever." They never called me. Wow. Okay. Well, well, I was a little crushed, but they're lost. You could have made their job easier, I'm sure. You probably said it could have said, "Hey, more, more Bert Ember over there." <laughs> <laughs> and weirdly enough, I thought you did that. And when I was looking, I'm like, "Oh man, they messed up on this. It's she does this just not on here." <laughs> when I looked, I was like, "Oh my god, I could have sworn she did." But so you do six, eight weeks on that, and then you move over to the. George Romero. Wow. Yeah, creep show. And then, <laughs> it's a little <laughs> like a, babies and then zombies. <laughs> Crazy. Then I would do summer stock. And then I got a job as the prop master for Pittsburgh Public Theater. 
And the first show that we did that I was prop master for was Streetcar Named Desire. Oh. It's amazing, but it was in the round. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> Try to figure out how Blanche goes into another room. Yeah. And you're, it's totally in the round. So that designer was amazing too. And he just, it, it, was, a, it was a great experience. So that was the first play. The second play was a show called Quilters. And that I don't know. <laughs> it is this beautiful, beautiful play. And it's about women moving west. It's about pioneer yeah. women. And it's all based on oral histories. And each oral history ref is reflected in a quilt square. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. beautiful. It was so beautiful. But the technical director of the theater turned to me and said, well, looks like this is on you because the whole set was a quilt. Oh. So he, was, he built the platform that the quilt sat on and he figured out how to hang the hanging quilt. And the rest of it, he was like, you deal with it. Wow. So I, had, I had like four carpenters staring at me. Oh my gosh. And I recruited all these women who you know, had been affiliated with the theater and we ended up having the most amazing experience. I got everybody sewing. So we were dyeing fabric. We had a ringer washing machine and we we're dyeing fabric with this ringer washing machine. Oh my God. I had these two interns um, in, in, they were in like, uh, I don't know how to, it was a, a diversity program in, in, in the city. And it turned out that one of the guys actually had sewing machines. He had Taylor, you know, like heavy duty sewing machines. Jackpot. So we printed his sewing machines. It was wild, but it was, it's still one of the most moving experiences. It made me realize that I was on the right path. Yeah. You it, know, you get to that, you do that show and you go. Yeah. I get uh, it. This, this is it. You get do. the high, you get like the high from it or the like, you're certainly yeah. not getting accolades. Accolades. You're certainly not getting a raise, but it's the yeah. inner. It's the inner. Like, oh yeah, this is this is it. This makes me happy. Where we got a pay cut. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. Of course you did. They called us all together and said, "We're gonna have to give you a five percent pay cut." And we all went, "Okay, can we go back to work now?" Yeah, yeah. Can we hurry up? And I got it work to do. It's so funny, and that's where I met Tom Walsh. Oh, look at that. I mean, isn't it, it was, amazing? You just meet the people along the way and you never, you never know. Yeah. It's so wild. He was the designer from New York who came in to do a show. I think it was called an American dream or something like that. And it was, he designed this great stuff. But then during tech week, while we were loading the set in, he would come and cook Italian food for us. Oh. It was amazing. <laughs> don't you don't lose that guy's number no, <laughs> carb up before a big set <laughs> sausage and meatballs and wow yum i i so he kind of you got paid in food kind of <laughs> we didn't we definitely were not rich <laughs> no 
The mo- I, I remember making so much money. I thought so much money as a PA, but I never had any time to spend it because I was working like six days a week from like seven to midnight. And we'd have like one night out a week. And I was like, yeah, start a tab. Woo. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's uh, I'm still waiting for the big, the big money. I don't know where that is. <laughs> Yeah, well... Anyone that can get it, get it. Yeah, I say the same thing. I don't I, I don't begrudge anybody of any more money. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when... Now, when did you dump the other roommates and then move out to L.A.? <laughs> <laughs> well, oddly enough, uh, a, a, beer, a beer commercial <laughs> for Pittsburgh beer was being shot in Pittsburgh. And it was a company from L.A. coming in to do it. And this company that never had hired, they were like a Griffin Electric package company, and they would try to package it, and they would also crew people, right? Mm. They had never, ever called me. I knew all the guys, but they would never, ever call me, ever. Every time I saw them at a party or something, I would say, hey, you know, don't forget, you know. So they called me. They called me and they said, hey, there's this beer commercial and they need a prop assistant. Is that something you can do? And I said, sure. And I said, um, do you know, what should I bring? And and they said, uh, 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 bring, bring what you always bring. <laughs> I was like, okay. Well, okay, my so wheelchair. I, I, <laughs> right. so I had a pickup truck with a camper shell. I threw everything that I had in this camp, in the back of my truck i had fernie pads i had smoke cookies because you know who knew yeah <clears throat> i had buckets i had a makita you know the old makita drill i had um little suitcase full of like screwdrivers and pliers and all this stuff i had art supplies i had paint i had streaks and tips you're ready everything so it's like 20 below zero in pittsburgh and I walked into this bar where they were shooting and I reported to the woman and um, she had me like cleaning glasses and doing all this stuff. And then partway through the day, she was opening the stuff that she had shipped from LA and she said, Oh, I wish I had a Makita. And then I said, well, um, I have one in my truck. You want me to go get it? So she said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I bring in my Makita and we're doing whatever. Oh, I wish I had some smoke cookies. <laughs> I have some in my truck. Should I go get them? Yeah. <laughs> so I get, I bring those in. We use those. I wish I had some streaks and tips or crystal clear. I said, well, I have some in my truck. I mean, why don't we just move our operation out to my truck? Because I got everything that you forgot. <laughs> it was true. Everything that she said, I wish I had a... I had it in my truck and I'm dragging stuff in all day long, one piece at a time. Right. And finally at lunchtime, I'm sitting there with these old friends of mine and we're sitting there eating and she came up behind me and said, um, would you like to come to LA to finish this commercial with us? And my friend looked at me, he almost fell off his chair and he was like, if you don't go, you're insane. Yeah. I was like, Absolutely. So my my friend who wanted to be the actress had moved out here. Oh, sweet. So I called her up and said, can I sleep on your sofa? <laughs> she said, absolutely, come out. People Express was $99 oh. to fly from Pittsburgh to, to Los Angeles. 
and um, they said you have to fly yourself out, but then we'll we'll pay you once you get there. And I Sweet. Said, no. So I, <laughs> for people express, you had to go from Pittsburgh to Newark. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like a the bad worst. buster. It was like a bad buster. Then you had to change terminals. Oh my god, plane. forget I'm out. <laughs> and then get on the plane to go to LA. So I had this dolly with all my kit stacked up and I would slip it boom 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 up onto the airplane. Oh my god. <laughs> with but... you know, knives and hammers and Yeah, when you could take it on. And you could take everything on. So I would like bump it up the stairs, you know, oh behind me. And then I'd bump it back down and bump it up onto the other one. It was insane. So I would, I flew out here and I started doing these commercials with these crazy people who then insisted that I stay at their house, which was at the top of, you know, where Gelson's is in, in uh, Hollywood off of Franklin. I do. I do. At the top of the hill above that. It used to be Hollywood. Mayfair Market. Yeah, it used to be May when it was Mayfair. Yeah. The very top of the oh, hill. It's so there. nice. It's so nice over there. It's so beautiful. They lived in this, like, amazing house at the top of the hill. And I was just, I was blown away. So I stayed with them for a while. Then I went to my friend in Tahunga and stayed with her and her now husband um for months and, and then if i got a job in pittsburgh i would fly home <laughs> and if i got <laughs> i know i had an apartment that was 300 dollars in pittsburgh so i didn't give it up yeah, oh and yeah well no you're not gonna give that up <laughs> so i would fly home for 99 dollars <laughs> through newark through newark still you'd have to still fly through newark yeah. oh my god i don't know <laughs> whatever job there and then I'd fly back to LA and you know I was renting a car from ugly duckling <laughs> rental cars in LA oh <laughs> and so I would just kind of run back and forth and then Tom Walsh called me and he had a job in New Orleans so I went and did that with him and um and then met a guy I ended up the guy who was with me on Juvie the horrible movie where I met Louise <laughs> Um, but it was, it was crazy. It was just so nutty. I would just run back and forth wherever I could. Cause people express was so cheap. It was like getting a bus ticket. That's insane. So, That's it was insane. insane. Then, Pits, then Pits, I ended up living below these people. Um, they had a neighbor that had the basement apartment. So I lived at the top of Holly Ridge drive in this beautiful, like the backyard was beautiful. I looked out at Griffith park. Oh. I love it over there. And there were grapefruit trees and lemon trees. And, you know, it was, the apartment was tiny, but it was great. Yeah. That's the Hollywood experience you want. Yeah. It was great. You it was, feel, and I was by myself. And You feel yeah. like you're living in old Hollywood. Oh, my God. It was fantastic. Oh, that's nice. And then I moved, you know, I moved back with Trish and, and Mark for a while and kind of decided, okay, I better get serious. So then Trisha and I came home and then we drove my truck. Drove the, the truck, truck with, with everything, everything in it? <laughs> <laughs> well, then at least you had everything. Yeah. Did yeah. you do, how long were you in New Orleans then? Just a couple months. 
couple like four or five months maybe we did a little movie called gathering of old men it was another one of those amazing experiences right that one i didn't see no, it it's uh, it was it's old. It's uh, oh, Lou Gossett Jr., Holly Hunter. Oh, that's yeah, a good one. Before she was a star, Richard Widmark. Oh yeah, I like that guy. And it was it was a story about nineteen old black men, and Holly Hunter. Um, a plantation guy gets killed, and it's it's it was a really interesting sort of racially charged yeah i mean especially if you're shooting there the experience was amazing i bet it really truly was amazing all these people just let us come into their shacks their plantation shacks talk about you know i heard you talking with don Deers about seeing how people live yeah but just really experience how people lived and still do i'm sure yeah Plantations. It was incredible. It's um, it in, one... it's invaluable to get that. You're not going to get that <laughs> in books. I mean, you can try or research or whatever, but when you go into somebody's house, you really get like, oh, this is. Look at how they set this up. Look at look at how they make this work with with whoever whatever they have. It was incredible, mm. and I, just seeing you know, like I they had all their grocery bags plastic grocery bags hanging from the ceiling I couldn't I was like what why why do you how, what's the what's the what's, story what's up with this, this? <laughs> it, so the critters didn't get into it into the food oh wow because they lived right literally on the plantation right like right outside their door with the sugarcane fields so there were all kinds of critters out there right so they, they would hang their grocery bags in the off the ceiling so we learned so much by doing that. And then I, I met these crazy women. I don't remember how I met them, but I needed a picture. There's this picture that every family had in that area and every plantation shack that we went to had, and it was Martin Luther King, Bobby Kennedy, and John F. Kennedy. Mm. It was like one of those almost like 3D Jesus <laughs> things. <you know? laughs> oh, so it wasn't like they were together. It was like just their faces. They were, they were, it was a super... The trinity. Important. It was a trinity of, of, yeah, hope, I guess. So I was trying to find one. I couldn't find one. And these two crazy women that I met said, we'll, we'll get it for you, honey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll go junking. So the, <laughs> I swear to God. That's they awesome. came pick me up in a big old pickup truck, rusty old pickup truck. And there was <laughs> this one lady... Then her basset hound. Oh, my God. It's a movie. Then a, oh, it gets better. Then a basket, like a regular basket, right? In the basket was a pile of cash. And on top of that was a gun. (laughs) (laughs) And then me, and then this other lady. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know we were going that junkin'. (laughs) Oh, my God. So then we go off into who knows where. I never did find again where we went because I drove all over that place. Were you scared? I, I was a little scared at first. I thought, oh my God, what am I? When I saw the gun, I was really freaked out. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to. Oh my God. I'm going to cool here. <laughs> I'll pet the basset out. <laughs> oh my God. I was 
pretty freaked out. So then we go to these these homes on other plantations, these little shacks in the bayous, and they go. They said we'll do the talking, and they start trying to talk these people out of this picture. I ended up giving this lady like five dollars for this picture that I needed. <laughs> I was like, oh! And there was a woman in our hospital bed out on the porch and there was inside you know the bed was in the kitchen and there were a million kids running around and oh oh i was like racked with guilt for weeks <laughs> like oh my god we should have paid that lady more and they were like no honey this is why we do it here this is <laughs> they were flashing the gun and, and and giving her a fiver and saying take it take it take it <laughs> It was insane. Well, luckily, they didn't pull the gun out anywhere, but oh my, it was crazy. The, when you do movies in other towns, the best is getting in with these people. Oh, yeah, totally. The best is being submerged into these other little cultures, microcultures or whatever, because you don't, even though you're making a movie about that place, you're not, you, we don't see, like, the actor, you know what I mean? Like, no. No, no it's there great. Was a guy- there were this this group this they call I call them the coffee clutch, <laughs> but they were they were like six old men that were retired and they would there were two little hotels in town Thibodeau Louisiana, and they would go from one hotel to the other, on alternate days to have their coffee and just yak yak yak. <laughs> so I made friends with these guys, and I had I had. We each had pagers, so I would page them if I needed something, and I would go to the hotel and call them and say, "Hey, I need, I needed Spanish moss," and I couldn't. They were your buyers. <laughs> I had it was me, right? <laughs> it was me. I had this van, and I would just run around in this van, and I could not find it anywhere and i didn't have time to get it order it from la or no i mean these two guys were like your buyers they were they your source my buyers yeah so, but the guy went out in the bayou and got spanish moss off the trees oh. so when i got it it was like filled with bugs oh man the effort <laughs> the poor guy it was it was really it was crazy it was quite an experience but it was awesome. And I ended up in that same plantation house a year later on a commercial. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. And you knew, well, then you knew everybody in town. You knew so where to get the guns. EJ was his name. EJ, I, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I I really want to ask you about that Handmaid's Tale oh. that you did. I wasn't able to watch that, but it had so many stars in it. Oh, yeah. Natasha Richardson. Yeah. And Faye Dunne, Robert Duvall. Are you, it was insane. I mean, an insane cast. Yeah. It was, um, it, again, Tom Walsh, again. Yeah. Um, and it was in um, North Carolina, Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. Really conservative state. Mm. And um, we did on the Duke University campus. Oh, no way. We built a gallows and we hung like a dozen or more handmaids. Right. In front of the, like the chapel at 
<laughs> Duke University. It was like, oh my God, I can't believe they're letting us do this. It was insane. It was, it was such a, it was a, an interesting experience. Yeah. Um, it was very um, disappointing in a lot of ways because the director who we had worked with on a gathering of old men mm. is very misogynistic. So why would he want to take this on? So we asked that question too. <laughs> um, and we kind of didn't realize it till he was in there doing it. And he was, I don't know. And his DP who was, um, I don't even remember his name, but he was so condescending to Natasha Richardson. Ugh. It was really Igor Luther. Yeah, uh, Igor. Yes. <laughs> he was he was horrible. Wow. He was horrible to her. He was they were both so misogynistic. It was unbelievable. And Robert Duvall is I love him. I think he's a, an amazing actor and I've worked with him several times, but you know, he's not necessarily uh marching for women's <laughs> Right. <laughs> well he's old school. He's old school. Yeah. Okay. It was pretty, it was pretty incredible. Wait, do you have any Faye Dunaway stories? I mean, that's, <laughs> or do you have too many? <laughs> I have better ones from uh, a few years after that. <laughs> oh, Jeez. Um, I mean, I don't, I, I, I'm always fascinated with Faye Dunaway because I love she, Mommy Dearest. Oh. She, when she walked into the room, though, it was like you could feel the the electricity, and everybody was on pins and needles around her. Is it um, electricity or is it tension? Is both. She, she, yeah, yeah. It's both. With her, it was both. She was really not in a great place there in her mind. You know, I I, I don't know in her life. Mm. So she, she was not so open with everybody on the on the crew but to see her face yeah on the screen, i mean she's just she's just amazing but she would be in this scene that was really intense and when they would cut in between scenes she would just gesture like this to her makeup person and that was like mm. oh my god it was it was that was tense <laughs> like a little come hither like fix me up me yeah it was she was very commanding for sure did Natasha she could not have been sweeter i've only heard good things about her ever so nice do, um, do you and, have do you have i mean i do but do you have stories of like actors and actresses the demands of like i mean right now i'm dealing with an actor who has allergies to everything so you can't have any sort of I mean, luckily I don't do props and it's not like food, but, you know, scented candles or feathers or this type of, you know, fabric and this and that. And it's like, yeah. I mean, I don't want you to get sick, but I also got to do my job. <laughs> we were prepping on, um, which one was it? Horrible, no, first Horrible Bosses. Yeah, it was the first Horrible Bosses. We were prepping a shower scene. Mm-hmm. And the day that we were to shoot it, the makeup actress, her assistant came 
who was her sister, came and said, we can't have any plastic. So I had, you know, shampoo bottles and soap, you know, all, all kind, I mean, there was a ton of stuff, but you don't put glass on a set when there's going to, in the water. You right? don't put glass in a shower, period. Exactly. <laughs> so, so we had all the appropriate stuff, but it was all plastic. So Heidi and I had to race out and like come up with a whole like metal and glass and we kept saying we don't want to put glass in the in the shower scene or in the bathtub scene and they were like well you know you can't have the plastic you have to get rid of it so we, it was just a minute and it was like literally two hours before they shot it <laughs> i uh i've heard great i've heard great things about the morning show <laughs> <laughs> so uh that doesn't surprise me <laughs> yeah well that was that leads me to my other Faye Dunaway story. Oh, okay, good, good, good. <laughs> we were doing this movie in Arizona called Arizona Dream. Mm-hmm. And they were the director. His name is Amir Kusturisa, and the designer is a guy named Krega. They were the DP and the the DP, the director, the um, first AD. Um, the production designer and one other person. And it's like Johnny Depp's first, like one of his first movies, right? So the five of them were each from a different region in Yugoslavia. Hmm. And they had done this absolutely magical movie called Time of the Gypsies, mm-hmm. which I watched. And it, I was still, I was still non-union then. And, uh, this producer that I had worked with before called me up and said, Hey, there's this little movie we're doing. It's like $7 million and we want you to be the art director and the decorator. And I said, well, those are two, those are two different jobs. And they're like, no, no, it's a little movie. You know, it's a car dealership and a just, it's really small and watch this movie time of the gypsies. They did it. And it's the same people and you'll love them. They're really nice. And we're going to do it in Arizona. You get two paychecks? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, we're... No. <laughs> so I watched the movie. I fell in love with the movie. It's it's magical. I'm going to have to so watch I it. Up and I go, okay, I'm in. I'm in. I'll do whatever. So I meet the designer, and he's so charming and so sweet. And it turned into... <laughs> it was supposed to be... We, we left in, I think, January. We were supposed to be home by April, the end of April. I got <laughs> home at Thanksgiving. Oh, no. Oh, my God. It was insane. It was absolutely insane. They were, the director was very stream of consciousness. So uh. he would see things and write it into the movie. And Johnny was wild. He was so sweet, but he was wild. Right. Faye Dunaway, Jerry Lewis was in it. Yeah, I know. I tried crazy. really hard to like get to watch this because I was like, "What, Jerry Lewis? How did this happen?" It, it was insane. Well, it doesn't make any sense. The movie that came out doesn't make sense because they shot so much that my the designer called me at the end. He used to call me Jane, Jane, Jane. <laughs> I saw the movie. I loved it. 
but it was five hours long. Oh. And I said, heck, and nobody, nobody in the United States will sit through a five-hour movie about this nonsense. I mean, it's just not going to happen. So they made him, Amir, cut the movie to two hours. So the movie that came out, I call it the fucking movie. Because yeah. I could hear him saying, you want two hours, here's two hours. And, but it doesn't make any sense. It's like yes, yeah, two two hours twenty two minutes. Yeah, well, that was that's a short version. <laughs> oh my gosh! The I mean, real movie was five hours. I I had never heard of it. I was like, wait, is this Johnny Depp on the? And then I looked at the photos, and I was like, oh man, it's like him with his arm around Faye Dunaway and his arm around Jerry Lewis. Like everybody had a great old time. That sounds like a nightmare. It was. It, you know what? It was a nightmare, but it was one of those where Louise and I, at the end of it, and, well, here's the other funny story. <laughs> Every night, it, it was the first time, second time Louise was leading for me. Mm. She led on a TV movie, and she used to be my driver, my, my set dressing driver, and I had this kooky um, lead man, and she came to me and said, you know, I, I think I can do that job. And I said, okay, <laughs> let's try it. So we did this TV movie and she did a great job. And I conned her into doing this. She said, I don't want to go to Arizona. I hate Arizona. And I'm like, oh, come on. Oh, it's we'll a couple of weeks. By, it's only a couple, you know, we'll be home by April. So, um. <laughs> but did they keep adding sets? Like, were you yeah. scrambling constantly? Well, okay, so here's how it started. So we built a car dealership. It wasn't like we found a car dealership. We found one, but then we built one next to the one that we found. So we built a two-story building. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm art directing and decorating, right? And he's selling vintage Cadillacs. So uh -huh. I have to find... <laughs> the transportation guy found some hero vintage Cadillacs, but then I had to find some parts and pieces... We, we made a desk out of a Cadillac. Oh, cool. We, we, it, was, it was pretty cool. So we did all these fun things. Then he writes in that there's a tropical fish tank. <laughs> so then we're in the middle of Arizona, and no, literally nowhere. And it's the beginning of cell phones. Like my cell phone was like this big. 93, yeah. Right? And when you got to Tombstone, there was no more signal to get to Douglas, Arizona, which is where we were so there was a payphone into at the end of tombstone and we would call and say i'm on my way oh my and if nobody so... heard from you in two hours they would come out looking for you because it was so desolate this is this is one of those movies you can make a movie oh. about making the movie honest to god yeah so then they write in they just kept writing all this stuff in and faye dunaway's character believed that she could fly and she wanted to build a flying machine so then we had to build flying machines oh my god so they hired these special effects guys who didn't get it even though they didn't really get it they they came up with this little motorized thing and he wanted funky mm -hmm. so there's a, a pbs special that i had seen called gizmo so I got a copy of it and I showed it to them and they were like, that's it. That's what we want. So there were all these, like there were wings that she runs and flaps her wings that we made. Oh and then there's one that we made from bicycle parts. Now you're doing props. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're doing the whole movie. <laughs> calls, for like eight uh, months. You name it. Then, then somebody sent the director um, the Cadillac Ranch, a picture of the Cadillac Ranch. And he's like, Jane, why don't we have this? And I'm like, because uh, that's a written piece of art. You can't. You can't. We can't do that. Right. No, we must have it. We must have it. So I had to make our own version of Cadillac Ranch. So I found this guy. I had this phone number that you know you get scraps of paper when you're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You meet these people. I had this little scrap of paper. I called this guy, and he was a flight attendant, but for some reason he had a Cadillac boneyard of vintage Cadillacs in Tucson. Yeah, I can't believe you stumbled upon that in the same state. Uh, right? It's, it's insane. I mean, I feel like I have been so fortunate to be, like, I've, I've found things, things have come to me when I needed them. It's because you're really nice and people it's because you're really nice i would have seen two women with a basket and a gun and been like oh my gosh you know what i gotta go they were calling me from set and um i'm so sorry we'll have to reschedule or this guy would have said boneyard to me and i would have been like i don't know it's transpo i don't know bye like, <laughs> that's why because you're nice and you're smart and things come to you like that because you knew your shit. You knew your research. You knew you're resourceful. Wow. Pretty, yeah, it was pretty wild. So this guy had a, a two-hour layover. And you nabbed him? And we we met him at the, at the phone yard. I had three tow trucks. <laughs> There's a picture on IMDb of this, of this, um, it looks like you've got, you've got like Cadillacs up on stilts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, five of them. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. I bought five of them for $6,000. What was your budget? I mean, it was a $7 million movie. You probably didn't have much. I didn't. But by the end of it, the movie cost $25 million. Oh, well, yeah, there because you go. I mean, you're holding actors for that long. It's got to cost that much so the first day of shooting we shut down <laughs> it sounds like covid <laughs> it was april 1st <clears throat> we're shooting april fools <laughs> yep. and the director said they wanted him to cut 10 pages from the script and he said i cannot write and 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 direct at the same time we must cut shooting i mean they were crazy yugoslav so <clears throat> they said uh, okay so they sent they said the crew could either go home we'll go. and they would give them a round trip ticket to come back. That was your out. You missed it. I know. Or you could stay there and they'd pay housing and per diem, but no salary. Or the art department had to keep working because we were, you know, we had a million things to do. So they kept us working and he came back. He wrote, instead of cutting 10, he wrote 20. Oh my God! Oh my God! We, he, he's the worst. We shut down five times, Kim. It was crazy. We shut down five times. We we started shooting in Alaska. We built at top of the world, Alaska. I had a guy build over the phone because there was no internet, right? Right. Over the phone, I'm getting this guy to build me an igloo. I'm like, uh, <laughs> it should be about you know, 
I don't know how much, how big are they usually? <laughs> Double it for camera. It was insane. It was it was completely nuts. But at the end of that, by the time we built the four flying machines and you know her shop, and we had we had a fourteen minute scene where Johnny Depp goes inside and outside like five times. Oh wow! There was a there was a wall that went up, and I had Jerry Lewis in a in a Cadillac that was supposed to be in heaven, and he descends on a forklift. <laughs> <laughs> he gets out. The wall flies up. They have he and Johnny Depp have a scene. The wall goes down. He goes back up in the flying machine in the in the car. It was insane. Well, it sounds like you handled being an art director very well. <laughs> <laughs> we built a cyclorama on, with little stars, pinpoint stars, in the street. It it was crazy. I had to get the street shut down. Oh my God, that sounds fire awful. Like me, so I put my arm around the fire marshal and said, "Honey, I need to close that street. Is that okay with you?" <laughs> it's oh, okay, sure, honey. It's okay, right? We're film people. Yeah. Oh my God, it was nuts. But after that, you know, you kind of feel like, okay, I can, I can, I can do almost. I anything. can do anything. Yeah, <laughs> you do. You have to have those really bad. Like, what am I doing? Why am I doing, why am I up till four in the morning doing this? I, I know. And then you just think you could do anything. So then when you see that schedule come out, you're like, all right. Uh, yeah, I, exactly. It sucks, but yeah. we can do it. Like, <laughs> but like you said, everything, everything builds on each other, you know, and yeah. all the experiences yeah. get you to where you're supposed to go. I mean, I'm sure your truck was there with all your all your your, your <laughs> jackpot of <laughs> resources. I had a big car by then. <laughs> I was it was pretty full. So that was non-union. So then was it still that, a while to got in the union? That was the show that, oh, that we put, got into the union. That put you in so you had to stay. Really? Yeah. Well, I guess I you got your 30 days over and over and over again. But then they said, do you want to go into the art director's guild or do you want to be? Oh. So, and I, so I did, I actually talked to Gene Allen, who was then head of the art directors. And we had a long chat and I just said, no, I think I'm, I'm, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I want to decorate. That's more fun. Yeah. I, I always say Marion Biddle changed my mind. Really? Yeah. I was stalking Paul Eads and, um, <laughs> He finally hired me to be a his art department coordinator, and um, I oh, I would take home the drawings and I would like try to do the line weights and I was totally into drafting, and uh, Mindy, his wife, art director, was like, "Get out of here! Don't do this! Don't, this is a horrible <laughs> business! Whatever." She was great. Uh, she's kind of it was kind of true, but but um they had you know built the set and he they had aged it and like he's really big on aging like you could you just oh, yeah. think people live there for years in stuff that yeah. he designs and it was just an empty room and I literally went down like the next day and it was dressed as this like gypsy sort of shop and I was like oh well now I know what this is now I know who this character is like this is what I want to do it was really just I mean it was a beautiful ugly room before but yeah. this is who it is so it literally like was like now now I got it I got my path I'm doing Isn't it. Isn't that great? 
Yeah. It's that moment when you go, Yeah. Okay. I went from like, you know, doing line weights and and hoping to like, you know, be an art director or set designer to like, now I got to start over again. (laughs) I literally had to start all over again. It's great. That's the the special moment. Yeah. When you you see it. And Paul is, I adore Paul. He's such a, what a sweet man. So you did, did you work with him on Boston Public? Yeah. 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 I love that show. I loved Boston Public. I um I stalked him because he did NYPD Blue, and then he was doing the show Philly, and I was I'm from I'm from Philly, so I was like I need to work on this. Please hire me. Um, and my cousin was on it. She was the star of it, <laughs> and so I had been stalking him, and then he finally hired he listen he hired me, and then he was there for one episode, and then went on to do Girls Club, so he left. <laughs> But after he hired me, I said, hey, I just don't want this to be awkward. Um, my cousin is Kim Delaney, the star of the show. And he goes, what? Why didn't you tell me that? And I was like, because I, I don't I don't want any of that. I didn't want you to think like you had to hire me or whatever. And he was like, yeah, but you should have told me. <laughs> like, he wasn't mad or anything, but he was like, this is weird that you didn't tell me. And it's like, no, no, no. I'm not getting it on that. I wanted I want to work here because of me, not because of her. So, and then he left me. So I only worked with him for like one episode. <laughs> but I worked with Mindy for a while, who I I adore. And Paul, yeah, is so sweet. And his sets and Boston Public. I mean, it looks like a school. It's I mean, it's such a great. There's such great character sets in there, and the lighting. The lighting on Boston Public was good. I remember. He's so amazing, though. He would just design those sets with glass in between, so you could just keep, you'd just see for miles. You'd see from room to room to room to room, which, you know, doesn't help us, but. No, not at all. <laughs> but it was so brilliant the way he figured it out. You know, he, the, the biggest compliment I think that we got on that was that a couple of UPMs called to find out what school we shot in. Oh, that is, that is the compliment. That is. Yeah. Yeah, what hospital did you shoot that or like what? Yeah, it is. You have done uh, a lot of pilots. Do you not like working? I mean, you did Gideon's Crossing, Boston Public, Veep, Ray Donovan. I mean, these are good shows that you were just like, eh, one and done. I'm good. <laughs> well, some of them I didn't get invited. <laughs> oh, that's but... they couldn't afford you. <laughs> Um, Gideon's was cool because um, uh, I loved working with Scott Shambliss. Yeah, uh, he was just amazing, uh, so sweet, and so talented, and the set looked so beautiful. Um, but when it came time for this series, I don't know. I think I was working on something else. A lot of the times, I was working on something else. Boston Public, I did make it for. Um, I know what I did stay for the for a while, mm. and then we were on episode eleven. Oh. And Naomi Shohan called me and offered me training day. Later. And I walked into <laughs> his office and I said, uh, I don't know exactly how to say this. And he said, you got a better offer. And I said, uh, I kind of did. And I'm sorry. And he goes, I said, I, I think I have to do it. And he said, what is it? And I said, um, it's a Denzel Washington movie. And he was like, 
oh, you have to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go. It was really sweet. And then Erica came in. I, I oh, yeah, yeah. Listened to Erica, so. Well, that was good. But, yeah, and she loved it. And she was happy. You know, but. Oof. Then I don't want to I don't I don't want to sidetrack, but <laughs> when you do when you do training day here, this is how I'm saying like it's a compliment. You just walked in and did these. You just walked into people's houses and shot them, right? <laughs> they were all built on stage. It's that is that we is incredible. Shot, that is incredible. Well, we shot in the real places. In, like we shot in the jungle. but like the bathtubs, like the house and the shooting, like. All of that was built on stage. Jeez. But, but we sh the director was nervous about it in a way. I don't know. He had this thing. So we always had to dress the location. And then at least the entrance, like the living rooms and stuff, we always had to dress whatever the, wherever the location was. But all this, all the real interiors were built on the stage. So thank you for thinking that we shot. We just walked in and shot. Well, that is yeah. actually a great compliment. Thank you. I, I mean, it's. Just, I, I know that there's one scene that I remember. Well, I mean, there's like that bathtub scene when, yeah. I thought that was. Oh wow! And then I'm you looking built. at these pictures on IMDb. I really thought they were houses. I mean, that that because too. The architecture in LA is really precise and to nail it is really good because it's kind of all over the place. We got the it Spanish is. going on. We got the summer cologne. Like there's a lot going on and especially downtown in these little pocket areas where they had these great houses in the 20s and 30s and gigantic, like even Victorian houses, it looks like. Yeah. And they're in the ghetto. <laughs> it's a sin. We shot in East LA. We shot in um, Macy Gray's house was, oh my God, that was, there were a million stories from training day. Um, Macy Gray's Macy house Gray, was yeah. across from um, Imperial Gardens. So that is in Crip, Crip land. Oh, I like that you know your uh, Crypt and blood. Oh, uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> don't cross the lines. <laughs> and, and her apartment was um in the jungle which is blood world so we had bone was our blood og he was our blood gangster who um he made the news a couple of years ago uh he was um when should knight ran over that guy oh yeah that was he was the guy oh no he, way one guy died and bone just got really messed up and here's the small world factor of it all we did the pilot for swat and bone was our gangster liaison and i went up to him and said hey i don't know if you remember me from training day and he was like oh yeah and he remembered me it was so sweet so then it was like whatever i needed you know wherever wherever we went he had his guys follow me to my car Oh my God, that's awesome! For me, I mean, he was so sweet to me. It was really nice, oh, and that was like twenty years later, <laughs> fifteen years later. Oh my God, that's awesome! But it was it was scary because there were gunfights. Well, you know, 
David Lazan, I don't know if you know him. He's a great art art director and production mm-hmm. designer. He was he was out measuring with the set designer in the jungle and Bone was downstairs and a gunfight broke out in the in the hood and David was like up on the roof like holy shit. <laughs> it was it was pretty crazy. Oh. We always had to have Bone with us or somebody, one of Bone's guys. And you couldn't wear certain colors, you couldn't wear red, couldn't wear blue, you know, you had to be really careful. But, you know, again, we learned a lot. We got to go into people's homes and really see how they lived. And we drew on all of that that we were exposed to and tried to put that into the neighborhood, you know, into whoever's neighborhood we were we were working in. Because it's, it's subtle. I mean, they're all, it's not great neighborhoods. Right. But but it right. is subtle as to like the different ways that they live in, and you live in different. You you live differently if you live on the west side and the east side here. Whoever you are, like it's just a different vibe. Yeah. But it captured it so well, and I, I mean, I definitely remember uh, watching it because I had moved here in '99 and being like, my parents are gonna make me move home. <laughs> my parents are not. I hope they don't see Training Day because they're gonna make me move home. You know, the, the one thing that we did do was we shopped in the neighborhoods. You shot? You know, one, oh, I you shot, shot the neighborhoods. Got, there was a little furniture, a couple little furniture stores down near the jungle. So I actually bought a bunch of stuff there for our set. You know, we tried to shop. Like, I go to the thrift stores in South Central. In the hood, yeah. In the neighborhood so that it felt like it was the right stuff. Yeah, I... So, the the thrift stores in LA are key <laughs> whether you're hitting like the Jewish thrift store or the Salvation Army or the Goodwill in the different in the different neighborhoods it's such a great resource St. Vincent de Paul is always the best resource for worn and lived in look always absolutely yeah yeah and smiley where the bathtub was they they were dealers so that was east la Mm. and so we went to some furniture stores because they had furniture that was a little bit nicer like they had the reclining sofa and (laughs) all that kind of stuff so we we try to go to each neighborhood and and kind of capture that and the color palette is so dark in that and so muted Naomi was, she was, she was funny. She was really good at it, but she would get a little nervous about it. And she'd have the painter. We had a great scenic artist and uh, charge painter. And she would have him repaint and repaint. I go, Naomi, I got to dress the set. Stop painting. Oh, I know. (laughs) I tell, I'm, I'm up paint's ass constantly. I don't care. I don't care if it's wet. I'm coming in hot. At 8 a.m., yeah. so it better be dry. <laughs> too. Luckily, the guy was really nice, but he'd go, she's having me repaint again. i go, okay, you have like three hours, and then yeah. I'm coming back. Oh, no. But the, 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 really had a good color sense. It does. I mean, it. listen, the worst thing I think for us is like 
just white wall, like going to locations and you can't paint and you can't do this. And they're like, oh, it's all set deck. Here you go. And you're like, well, great. It's going to look like shit. Sorry. Like, I can't, I can't do this alone. I can't. It's not, it, it, it's all of us getting this together. And then you try to cover up with more artwork, but you can't make any holes. Or like... yeah, exactly. How, what clever way can I think yes. of hang? <laughs> I really would love to come up with a like, commando macho uh, hook or something something for us we need it yeah but it looks like you could have made a lot of holes and well they were sets but it looks like you could have made any holes you wanted in uh in training day um so you're in the union you're doing this you're doing tv you got this then you get to work with mel brooks oh yeah is that does that it was fun. What is it fun? It's that has to be. I mean, I was a nervous wreck, and Roy Forge Smith was a designer, and he had done a couple movies with Mel. And and this is and Dracula I, Dead or Loving It. Yeah, which I saw and, in the theater. <laughs> really? Did oh, I did? Uh, well, Roy and I had done a, a couple of things together, and I was nervous about Mel. You know, I just thought, oh my God, what, you know, I, I don't know. I just was nervous. It's, it's Mel. Mel it's Mel. Outside, right? Yeah. So he said, come on, let's go. Let's get this over with. So he drags me over to Mel's office and he said, her knees are knocking. She's a nervous wreck to meet you. So here she is. She's going to decorate the set. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. And he said, honey, I'll tell you, it's really simple. I'm funny. You're not. <laughs> Yes, sir. <laughs> Got it. And and that was it. And then he never, he would come up to me in the morning and pinch my cheeks and say, oh, I love this set. Oh, honey. Oh, my God. Oh, Is that not the best thing I've ever heard? He was adorable. He was so sweet. He would get mad at almost everybody. He never got mad at me, thankfully. But he would, he wore a baseball cap when he wasn't acting. And he would take it off and he'd throw it down and stomp on it. It was hysterical. If he got mad, he'd just throw it down oh, and he'd stomp on this cap. And like, then he'd put it back on his head. But like as I a joke? Know. Or was he yeah. really having a tantrum? He would have these little tantrums. Wow. That's fantastic. Not that often, but on occasion. Um, but it was insane. And so he... He came to Roy and I and said, "We got to cut twenty five percent from the from the budget. How how are we going to do that?" We'll cut and some Roy pages. Said, well, now Roy said, "We'll make three wall sets." So almost every set was three wall set. No way! I swear to God, yep. It was insane. He would say Roy was a genius about that. He would say, "Okay, here's your here's your camera angle. You're going to look this way." And you can, you have this and this and this, and you can almost get a reverse, but you can't get the reverse. And Mel would just go, okay. But so that was almost every set. There that... were a couple that they, he realized he shot himself in the foot and then I had to drape it. <laughs> well, you can't win every, you can't win them all. But that's probably so genius in a sense because of like, old time shooting they didn't have four wall sets exactly so 
I mean, I'm not saying Mel was used to that, but maybe he was in a sense and knew how to shoot them. He knew how to do it. Well, he started in TV, so he was used to that. Right. You know, because he was on the Sid Caesar show right. and it was live, and they were like two or three wall sets. Right. So I think that he had that in his, you know, in yeah. his mind, and then Roy figured it out, and he would give him the best angles, and he would create the walls in such a way that he it really gave him a lot. And sometimes there was a back corridor or a back, you know, an entrance and exit. But it was it was genius, and you know, we saved money. You saved money. <laughs> it was funny, and it was funny. Your dressing was funny. Well, he let me he let me be a little bit funny. Because <laughs> every once in a while I'd go, Mel, you have to let me be a little, or try to be a little bit funny. Yeah, you have to. But don't you find that when you're, you're, you're in a completely different mindset when you're working on a comedy versus a, comedy a Sicario? Yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. Comedy is so hard. I, I really, uh, you know, I love them, but uh, it's really hard. Because it's the, I'm sure you found that. Hey, wouldn't it be funny if we had a... Oh, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. No, it wouldn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that... Funny for you or funny for me? Yeah, yeah. That, that sounds hysterical. So I had done Bones and everything, and then I went to Parks and Rec, and I thought, I don't, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what dressing is funny. I don't know if this chair is funny. I I don't know if this is going to work. And I remember the first, like, like a bunch of the first episodes just being, like, so nervous of, like, I don't know if this is funny. And then it was like, well, my stuff doesn't have to be funny. It just, you know, you learn of, like, it's not about, it's not about us unless it's written in. And it's, if it is, it's usually a prop. Right. Exactly. But exactly. It, but then you, you, I do start thinking about it like, oh, this character would have plaid. Yeah, or exactly. That's, that's how you get your funny in there. Yeah. Yeah. Or if it's over, if you know it's going to be campy, like the Anchorman stuff was campy, and oh. we knew it. So we wanted to dial it up. The, the Anchorman set is so his office is so funny on its own of just as like i said with like marianne biddle like you just know who that character is when you like look at that set it's done so perfectly and in such those 70s colors you must have had so much fun and the drapery that was fun you must have had a lot of fun on that those were fun yeah they're fun but they're they were hard i mean Luckily, they all were so nice, and, and Adam McKay is a sweetheart, and he always appreciated what we did. And um, Will Farrell, when we did his apartment in the first Anchorman, mm-hmm. and we had the, the bark-a-lounger for the dog, yeah. and the bark-a-lounger, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and he, we couldn't open the set because we had to go to, the, to Long Beach to get ready for the next day. So the next day we're in Long Beach. It's 110 degrees. Will's in a polyester suit. And he chased Clayton and I down the street to tell us how much he loved the set. Oh, that's awesome. Will is, he's like the nicest guy. That's awesome. 
And See, Adam's the same way. Adam is really sweet. But yeah. so then when you switch gears with Adam to do, like, Vice, yeah. <laughs> which was a marathon of, of dressing and sets, and you had something like, 94 sets in 50 days or some shit like ridiculous wait what was hundred sets in 54 days 168 sets in 54 days yeah Ugh, i would have been like i'm out <laughs> i'm good i, I really want to see that movie when it comes out <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy it was crazy and it was the first time Joni and i had worked together and okay. i thought she's never gonna come back Tomorrow. Jo Joni and Dursky? Yeah. yeah. It was our first time together, and I just thought, she's going to just run run down the street. Well, it was pretty crazy. But I adore Patrice. Patrice and I have a... You get it. Yeah. The, that is the key, too, with working with a designer that you... Yeah. You got to be in the same book. <laughs> you got to be yeah. on the same page. And... And then if you sink enough to be in, like, the same paragraph, it's golden. <laughs> it's golden to, like, oh, this is what it's going to be. I know what yeah. he's going to, she he or she's going to want and what I can put into this. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, there's so, as you know, there's so much research about the White House. It's the most photographed building yeah. in the world. You know? And then the White House, the White House by Design people on Facebook. I know. <laughs> I love that group. People. Oh my God! I, I it's I hate Facebook, and it's probably the only thing besides like a quick scroll that I check consistently, and not because I'm working again in the White House, but but just because like they come up with these photographs that you've never oh. seen or never, I don't know where they get them. And then there's this one dude who's constantly trying to redraw every room in the White House. I'm trying to figure out what his deal is. It's great. Like, Some of them used to be the curators at the at the White House. One of them, I was when we did um, the LBJ uh, all the way. I needed um, Jackie Kennedy's when she redecorated. I needed the fabric for the JFK bedroom. Mm. He had the card sample. He had the carpet sample, the sheer sample, and the drapery sample and the slip cover and he had it on a card and he posted it for me i almost peed my pants i was so excited what I a gold mine it was amazing they helped me so much i'm kind of afraid to reach out to them it's funny well it, that was the first time i was i was angsting about something and i ran into william DiBiazio. oh yeah yeah that don't you know White House by Design? And I said, no, I don't know. And so he introduced me to the group. And I and so I was so nervous that I did all my homework. And then I had this list of like bullet point, these questions that I had. And I said, look, I really appreciate it. I've done, I know about this and I know about that, but I can't find this and I can't find that. And I want to know, blah, blah, blah. They posted the most amazing photographs. Wow. I'm 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 afraid of being thrown out of the group number one because I feel like I'm an, an infiltrator in a sense. But they let me in, so they must have. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. They looked me up or whatever. But I don't 
I, I don't want to rock a boat of like, oh, they don't like Clinton and then they're not going to tell me anything. But they post shit about Clinton or like, yeah. oh, that's a dumb question. Look at like she doesn't know. I, I'm intimidated by these White House Facebook people. So I just like troll it and appreciate every <laughs> ounce I can get because I don't want to get thrown out of it because it's a gem. And you can deep dive, like, there were some really good Clinton uh, pictures of, like, his dining room and his private office on there that I hadn't seen anywhere. So, I mean, it's helped me tremendously, too. And I thank you for, for letting me know about it. But They're yeah, amazing. They They're are. So, nice. so who's, you You did, I think you've done, like, every president, basically, besides Lincoln. Um <laughs> Do you have a favorite president that you decorated? Oh, wow. Like who, I mean, it's hard to say because of the times and the, what was popular when, I'm sure, but. I, I, I like doing it. I like doing the transition between JFK and LBJ. Hmm. I honestly, because, you know, they, they redecorated JFK's office when he went to Dallas. And he wanted a red rug and that's why the red rug was in there for a while uh -huh. because Jackie had his office redecorated while they went to Dallas. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't realize that. That what I found that out through these folks. I, I had a suspicion about it, but then they confirmed it and then they sent me the pictures and I just, I like burst into tears. Oh my God. I could cry right now. <laughs> they, they sent the pictures of when they just had finished decorating it with the red carpet and all the recovered sofas and all the chairs and, and it was just perfect. And they took pictures, right? And they they sent me those and then he gets assassinated and then they strip all of his stuff out and they sent me pictures of that too. Oh my God. Oh. So, oh. And so I told the director about it and he actually made that part of the scene. Like when Brian Cranston walked into the room, he walks in as president now. He right. walks in and he can't step on the red carpet when he first walks into the room because he felt the presence of JFK. It was, I, I was sobbing watching the monitor. <laughs> <laughs> over rugs <laughs> but making the Truman rug and having that sculpted the the eagle and the stars it was 49 stars of course so that made it harder to sculpt but dude, that was kind of the most fun I think the other one doing vice was just it was a marathon because we had five changeovers and you know I love that movie uh, thank you. Me too. I love that movie. I love. I love the pace the of it. The art director. The art director wanted us to do changeovers on the same day, and I'm like, no, 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 no. And of then, course he, he did. Gonna set up, <laughs> he was going to set up on a riser, and I'm like, no, 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 no. You those carpets are thirty feet long, yeah, and we're no. not carrying it upstairs, and we're not trying to get it up on a platform while you have all your greens outside. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Of course he did. Ground deal with it i have such a respect now doing white house for years just the um 
I don't know what it is. And I've never been there. That's the no, Isn't that crazy? I've never been there. I've, I've been got to... a million books over here. Oh, that, yeah. I got. It. I probably have as many as you do. But I've never been there. I'm bummed that I've never been there. It's crazy to me, like, Jim Gloucester, the production designer on Veep, had never been in, I don't believe. He, or, and or he had taken a tour, the writers took a tour, and they took all these great pictures for us, and it's like, it's almost like I I, I gotta take a trip to the homeland at some point to to see. Yeah, because you're like the queen of... the scale you're the queen you're the queen i mean i'll take princess i'll take princess if you're the queen uh it used to be be ellen totleben she got to go she actually got to go oh wow she did west wing she got to go that was i was pretty jealous i looked a lot i didn't watch west wing when it was on i looked a lot to west wing i looked at a couple episodes because i'm 90s and that was yeah. 90s to look at like monitors and phones and stuff like that. So that's been a resource for me even because you, some rooms don't have any research. It's weird, you, especially West Wing and like things that you really, really want that you don't you can't find. Oval, you can do a million times and you got every angle, but try to get like George Stephanopoulos's office and you're like, there's one picture. We found like three pictures of the whole thing, but... Kissinger and Kissinger I mean I'm sure and the funny thing is I'm I I mean whatever whoever decorating we're all decorating the same rooms (laughs) (laughs) basically same yeah we're all decorating the same like west wing rooms with different generations we should do some kind of a show where we all like Everybody who's done the Oval Office should bring their Oval Office pictures. And we all do. Here's everybody's Oval Offices or everybody's, you know, whatever. Well, I when I got approached to do the American Crime Story, I was like, all right, you know what? I know the White House. I can do this. I know it's going to be hard, but it's the White House. Like, I can do it. It's going to be great. It's going to be fine. And we were about a month into... Uh, a prep and shooting and maybe three another three weeks and the color palette changed so <laughs> yeah so then i'm not i'm not doing exactly the red and gold stripe which i spent weeks finding the exact inch uh, like how thick is this stripe compared to the gold blah 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 um nah we're not we're not it's not really it's a muted world and so everything that i had picked i had to redo quickly <laughs> because then we was like oh now we shoot in three weeks so That's giving me a pain in my stomach <laughs> yeah and then i was like why am i doing this i'm disrespecting the white house this isn't real then it's like an inner battle of like uh people are gonna know Jan's going to look at this and be like, um, she didn't know what she was doing with this sofa. <laughs> that wasn't the stripe. <laughs> yeah. So it's painful to me that it's not going to be exact. And then you sort of let go and you're like, all right, well then I got to let go. And now it's all going to be different. So I now, I now it's almost a little bit freeing that I get yeah. to be a little bit different. But so, I get it. I would. Yeah. It's hard. It's really hard. 
and I think those White House people are going to hate it. And so... <laughs> I live in fear of them, to be honest with you. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm going to get so busted on this one. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think. I think I'm going to get thrown out of that Facebook group once they see this show. <laughs> She changed the cutting sofas, you she know. Changed it. She changed it. She changed it. She's trying to rewrite history. No, those Hollywood people. Yeah. Disrespecting our world. So, yeah, that's that's my biggest fear when it, whenever this comes out, because who the hell knows now? I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to, I'm sure this is going to be my forever Arizona and I'm going to be on it for another year. Right? I know. She's such a talent. And I've learned so much from her and her sets, and I've stolen from her. Like I said, um, again, watch Mank. It's beautifully done. It really is it's just an all-around beautiful film. Um, vote for the ADG Awards and the Oscars. Um, your homework this week is to watch The Midnight Sky. If you want to reminisce, watch E.T. to prep for our next episode with production designer Jim Bizzle. I hope you got an earful. I'm Kim Oneup for Decorating Pages. There's still time to purchase that perfect Valentine's Day gift. The Stogie Floaty. Float in style. Stogie Floaty Luxury Pull Float. Available now on Etsy and stogiefloaty.com. <laughs>